0: 18 minutes to 11 o'clock, Sam Edmund sitting in for Jared on uh, this 28th day of February. The Matildas, they're 90 minutes of assured football away from a berth at the Paris Olympics. Australia carry a 3-0 lead from the first leg The Marvel Stadium for tonight's return meeting with Uzbekistan. Grace Gill was in Tashkent, she's now in Melbourne and the former midfielder is with us. Grace, good morning to you.
1: Oh, good morning. Good to have a chat.
0: It's going to be a great atmosphere tonight, you'd think. The game sold out in oh, next to no time. 12 sellouts in a row never ceases to amaze the popularity of this team, Grace.
1: Oh, it's incredible. And it's pretty hard to believe that even this time last year, we hadn't reached that sellout point. It was sort of July just before the World Cup. And since that point, as you mentioned there, 12 sellouts in a row. So... Tonight at Marvel to have another sellout crowd, well, it's yeah, it's just really quite mind-blowing.
0: A multi-purpose venue, of course, at Marvel. I did see that Tony Gustafsson wasn't overly thrilled with the surface down there in uh, in their training session. He said the ball was getting stuck and not slick enough. Too dry, Grace.
1: Yeah, and I guess when you compare that from the first game over in Tashkent, freezing cold condition, quite a, a wet, slippery surface. So it would have been dipping along nicely there. Um, yeah, different, of course, and I have full admiration for the ground staff who turned these fields around in record time. I think that's pretty impressive.
0: Just on the first leg, I guess Uzbekistan were always going to be hard to break down over there, given their organisation and discipline. And despite the glut of possession, the Matildas had to stay patient before cashing in. In the end, they did in the last twenty minutes, of course, even if they left some goals out there. But that, but they didn't they didn't panic, did they? And I imagine you can take quite a bit from games like that.
1: Yeah, I think that's exactly right. It's something as well that Tony Gustafson spoke about before the match uh, in Uzbekistan around the team needing to be patient. And we always knew that would be the case that Uzbekistan would sit in a really deep defensive block and the Matildas would have to find a way to break down uh, that block. And, yep, definitely left, left a few out there. And I'm sure that's something that they went away and had a look at about being clinical in the final third because against those sorts of teams in opposition, you need to find the back of the net when you do have your chances. So... A little frustrating one, but ultimately, you know, a solid result, what they needed away from home. So I think being back home soil, home crowd uh, back in Melbourne will be, will really play to their advantage. And for the Uzbekistan women, well, I I don't think any of them have ever been to Australia, let alone travel this kind of distance. Mm. So definitely against them and and well and truly in the Matildas' favour.
0: And warm too. So they're going from, I mean, you were there, it was uh, zero. (laughs) And we're coming into a a night where it's going to be potentially 35 degrees at at eight o'clock.
1: Yeah, look, quite the contrasting climate. Yeah, it was zero degrees on the ground. We had snow at the start of the game. It did clear quite nicely for the actual match, which was which was good. But, um, yeah, snowy conditions, freezing cold. A lot of the girls, as you saw, wearing gloves, wearing long sleeves. And tonight's just going to be a complete different situation. It's going to be about making sure that in lead up to the game, both teams are really well hydrated and prepared because, just the the toll that that can take take on your body in such hot conditions um, is going to be quite a shock to the system, I think.
0: So, Grace, for the 50,000-odd fans that were getting along, would you expect them to see a more open game tonight? I mean, Uzbekistan are going to have to come out and play, aren't they, at 3-0 down? Or do you think it'll still be relatively cagey, particularly in the first sort of half? I
1: I think, look, I'd expect the Matildas to perhaps open scoring a little earlier, whether that's due to some of the facts we've just touched on in a way of fatigue, travel, um, all of of the conditions um, that Uzbek women not having played under this, not not only these kind of conditions before, but with a crowd this big, this is the sort of crowd that the Uzbekistan national team will have never have been exposed to before. So I think I'd imagine those things all play into Matilda's favour. I wouldn't be surprised if we see a much earlier goal than what we saw from the first leg. Um, but certainly a difficult one for um, the Uzbekistan national team to travel to.
0: Speaking of Grace Gill, uh, former midfielder, Channel 10 Paramount Plus commentator nowadays, of course. And, and when it comes to Australia and Tony Gustafs side, Grace, what what mindset should they be going in with? I mean, is it the old nil-nil? I mean, is that even possible? I mean, more than a few of the players in the squad would have had and have played Champions League football and the two-league experience that comes with that. What What sort of mindset do you go into the second leg when you're 3-0 up already?
1: Yeah, I think there's a sort of steady confidence that if you've listened to any of the interviews and what the conversations that have been had around the team, the focus is not so much on Paris 2024, but getting through this game. And they're well aware that this is their ticket to the Olympics. So there's sort of steps to that. And I think when you can get far ahead in your thinking or your mindset you can become a little bit unstuck so by all accounts i know that they want to have a really slick performance tonight i know that they want to improve on the first leg over in in tashkent um, and, and as well, just the home crowd factor plays such a part in that. So I think that'll be a, a big difference. And I do think we'll see a little bit more of an open game this evening in the Matildas' favour.
0: Yeah. So someone like uh, Michelle Heyman, who was a story out of the first league, 35 uh, years of age, comes on and in the 65th minute and scores her first national team goal for, uh, what, since 2016? I mean, she's someone who's not going to be in cruise control. You wouldn't have thought if a flight to Paris is, is on the line.
1: Well, exactly. And it's such a special story for Michelle. She's a former teammate of mine and I've known her for, for many years. And to see the kind of form she's been in this year in the A-League Women's is Canberra United, their call-up for me was, was pretty unsurprising. Um, she's an informed striker. And I thought when both she and Caitlin Ford came on uh, in Tashkent. They made a massive difference to the dynamic of the game. And of course it was after those two substitutions were made that the goal scoring was open. So Mm. whether or not Michelle starts tonight or plays a similar role off the bench, what she provides is excellent up front. She's a great, great target striker, a really good aerial presence. And she's quick as well. So, um, I'm so pleased for her and, yeah, what a special moment that was.
0: That was amazing. Uh, Grace, as someone who's been around a bit, I'm keen for your take or your read on the managerial situation just with Tony Gustafson. So he's got a contract that expires after the Paris Olympics. Is is there an expectation that that will be it? I mean, he's been in charge for four years, more recently been linked with a return to his homeland to become the national coach of the men's team there. Are we expecting him to move on? Thanks for the memories after Paris. yes <laughs>
1: Oh, it's a great question, and I guess at this point in time, your guess is probably as good as mine. I think there has been a a lot of speculation in the media around his position for, yeah, you mentioned the senior men's national team for Sweden as an assistant coach and, you know, from all accounts, uh, involved in a process around the US women's national team, which ultimately... Emma Hayes got. So whether or not that's still the case and he's still looking elsewhere, I really don't know. I'd only be speculating. But that decision will obviously then be made post-Paris uh, 2024, If the girls do get there, which we we are confident they will. Um, and whether that's a position that is extended through Football Australia or if Tony and looks for elsewhere yeah it's it's pure speculation at this
0: stage yep no Sam Kerr of course which is uh devastating to say the least uh, the least the, the thirst for a medal I mean the side was fourth in Tokyo fourth in a totally different setting of course uh, uh, in the World Cup on on home soil but narrow misses the two of them I guess the thirst for the medal and what it would mean to 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 get on the dais
1: Yeah, it it would be an incredible achievement in the history of this national team. Um, A lot of the women playing at the moment are sort of coming to that age of nearing retirement or nearing the latter stages of their career. And I think for a number of them, that would be really the cherry on top of what has been a a pretty incredible last decade in this national team. So to medal and when they've come that close in in recent tournaments, when you almost come that close, it's almost a little harder than if you were to drop out earlier in the stage. But when you, you finish fourth and you're so close to to meddling in, you know, a World Cup and an Olympics, that leaves a pretty bitter taste in your mouth. So I think Um, the focus will be on first getting to the Olympics and then hopefully capitalising on on that position, given that there's a few powerhouses who haven't qualified for Paris 2024. So should the Matildas get there, then they're in a pretty good position.
0: And is this a group... I was listening to Steph Catley yesterday. uh, It surprised me a little bit. I mean, there's always going to be a sprinkling of age groups in in any sport, in any professional elite level. But she said this is very much a group that's sort of running out of chances. So is there a feeling that you know this is a group... A core of the side coming to the end and, and there's obviously an urge to to really have something to show for it meaningfully at the end of it all
1: yeah well that would be the dream i think when you look at the age of a few of the girls like they've obviously got a lot of football left in them but realistically at a national team level you've mm. got players who are sort of 30 plus and a contingent of them who have been in the national team for some time so whether it's retirement or moving on to other things in life as i said i'm sure they could continue playing for many years it's still still performing, but I I wouldn't be surprised if post-Paris 2024, we do see a few retirements or even beforehand, um, just given that's the natural attrition of of sport and and women's sport as players start to move on.
0: Eight o'clock kickoff, live 7.30, uh, right across uh, the suite of Channel 10 uh, channels. uh, Looking forward to it, Paramount Plus as well. Grace, really appreciate your time and your insights and thanks for setting uh, setting, setting us up for it later on. Looking forward to it.
1: Thanks very much, Sam. Appreciate it.